Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. Well, it's great to see you. As Karen said, this is pretty much the, um, the mid part of the year, middle holidays, winter, raining, and uh, sometimes we wake up on this particular weekend each year and go, all right, how many brave ones are going to come out with us? And uh, the good, point, good part about this is from here on, it's only just downhill, isn't it? It's, it's getting closer to spring and summer and, uh, you know, we're heading for the good weather. Give someone a high five. Just do it for me. I know it's awkward, it's weird, but it just helps me. Helps get a little bit of energy and blood flow going. Yes. Oh. Someone bring her a coffee, something. With mittens on any as well, or whatever they're called. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's pray, shall we? Lord, we just ask this morning that you would use your word to sharpen us, to strengthen us. And Lord, we pray that you would speak and encourage each one of us. I pray, Lord, that your blessing would rest upon our time this morning, our gathering, our fellowship. And Lord, that you would have your way in every way in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here's, here's my title for today. It's a pretty simple one. I've called it, Doubting Does You No Good. Doubting does you no good. Every person in this room will have times, if not even this morning, where you have some doubts about God. You probably have doubts about a whole lot of other things, particularly if you're a Crows fan or, or even a Power fan. They're playing this afternoon. Who knows what's going to happen? You might be doubting. But, or maybe there's other areas of life you're, you're not sure about. You're not sure your future or what's going to happen here, what's going to happen there. But the one thing, the one thing we cannot doubt about is about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I want to reinforce some things today. It's pretty simple. It's pretty vanilla. I remember being in business and uh, one of my uh, mentors in business used to use that term all the time. He said, don't, don't worry, Marty. This, this is just a vanilla transaction. This is just a really vanilla situation. And one time I asked him, I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, you know, there's no colors or mint chips or choc chips or Oreos or anything in the ice cream. It's just vanilla. It's just straight up. So if you ever need something just straight up, it's vanilla. And so I'm going to give you a vanilla gospel this morning. Is that okay? Just turn to the person next to you and say, is that okay? And hopefully they said yes. If they didn't, well, we'll just see how we go this morning. Doubting about the Lord doesn't do you any good. The only thing it brings is a mindset that questions his truth. In fact, we're going to start we're going to start at the last verse, Rocky, just so Rocky knows. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Most of you would have learnt this if you've been in church a while. You would have maybe memorized this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Just dwell on that for a minute. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for 
and it is the evidence of things not seen. If we give up on faith, it's a slippery slope downwards, isn't it? It's a very, very slippery slope. So the one thing we cannot give up on as believers is our faith. We don't see necessarily, we can't touch, we can't prove, we, we can't even, and I find in, in myself, the older I'm getting, the less I try to argue people into the kingdom because I find myself getting, you know, even twisted and contorted on my own arguments because God is mysterious. He is invisible, but he's all around us. There's so many amazing facets about God, and yet we can't in a linear way say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Here it is. Lay it out. Bang. There you go. There's a mysterious element, and it's called faith. And God allows faith so that you and I can have this currency, this, this hope of things that we can't see and we can't even prove. Um, I remember watching a, a street evangelist, and he's, he's a very smart intellectual evangelist, and he goes and evangelizes in America, and he, he really argues articulately and amazingly well with people. I remember watching some of his stuff and, and thinking, wow, I'm going to have to study for the next 10 years of my life if I'm going to have the intellect and the knowledge and all of the history and everything that this guy's got to be able to evangelize. You don't need that. You need faith. You need faith. The greatest moves of God in history, the, the, the catalyst is faith. It's not knowledge. It's normally coupled with prayer and some like-minded people, but it's faith. It's belief in the unseen. And so this is the pivotal chapter I want to sort of work on today. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Remember this verse because in today's society, everyone wants evidence. Everyone wants evidence. You know, prove to me that God is real. Prove to me this. Show me this. Show me the evidence. Because in today's society, you can pretty much YouTube evidence about anything. You can, you can watch anything happen live and you can, you can document it. You can become really proficient in a knowledge in a certain area really, really quickly now. You don't need a degree anymore. You can just go and research it yourself and you can find out a lot of information. And, and it's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But ultimately, we are never going to be able to line up every single duck for every single person in their head. If they don't want to believe, they won't believe. Our job is to believe in a God who's bigger, bolder, and better than any of us. He actually created each one of us. And he created us to worship him and believe in him. But he left an element of faith. I've told this story before. Um, and it's, uh, it, it, I always remember this about faith. And it's hard for me to forget it because it involves pipes. And uh, for those of you who haven't been around a while, I used to have a pipe factory. And our pipes were made out of fiberglass. Fiberglass is, is, a, is a composite of a few ingredients. We used to have glass fiber, sand, resin, and catalyst. And it's interesting, we make massive big pipes, three meters in diameter, you know, massive long pipelines, huge big pipes. And um, in that is mass loads of sand, resin, glass, just absolute truckloads of this stuff. Um, and in it is 1.5% catalyst. 1.5%. It 
It's, it's a very small amount. In fact, our catalysts used to come in little containers, you know, in a small little truck, just little catalyst containers. Our resin would come in trucks, massive big semis, bringing the resin into bulk tanks. But the catalyst just sits on its own in this little tank because it's only 1.5%. But the minute the machines, the winders, the minute... It, the catalyst, that 1.5% is added to all those other ingredients. It sets it all off. It sets everything off. And you can never uncure a pipe. Once it's cured, it's cured. And faith is exactly the same. You only need 1.5%. You only need a tiny little bit of faith. Do you know what? Sometimes you might need to hang on someone else's faith. Because maybe they've got faith, but you don't. It's okay. That's iron sharpening iron. And sometimes we need someone else's faith to bring us through. I paid Karen this morning, by the way, because I need a little bit of feedback. Feel free to get on a little bit of energy this morning, okay? It's okay. It's okay. Some of our best cheer squad are away, holidaying around the globe at the moment. And, uh, you know, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Sometimes you need someone else's faith. Sometimes you need someone else to pull you through. That's why the Bible says don't give up meeting together because we need each other's faith. We need that contagious faith that we don't feel like it when we walk through the door. In fact, we feel miserable when we walk in the door sometimes. But someone else comes up and just, you know, gives us that word of faith or doesn't even give us a word, just smiles at us. Just smiles at us and we realize, wow, life isn't that bad. Life isn't that bad. My problems are very much first world problems. And so I'm actually going to step in this morning. And that's what faith does. So don't give up doubting because doubting leads you down a dangerous track. It leads you into a mode of questioning everything. But then when you get back to the simplicity of faith, that's when God begins to speak. So I want to encourage you, never doubt God's reality. I believe in this day and age... We are seeing the enemy, and many have said, uh, in particular, many great Christian leaders have said they've felt and they've seen that during COVID, there's been an unleashing from the enemy like never before across the earth of doubt, of fear, of anxiety, of depression, of suicide, of mental illness, of confusion, of, of all sorts of splintering and, and neg negativity. Now, I'm not saying COVID was from the enemy, but I don't think it was from God. Uh, and so what I'm saying is the enemy will use whatever tools he can. He'll use whatever he can. And so we are living in a day and age where the enemy, via every means possible, is trying to make us question the reality of God. We talked about the census last week and, you know, whether you believe it or not, I'd, I question a lot of it, to be honest with you. But... Ultimately, we are seeing, uh, you can look around the world, in the West, we can see a little decline of Christianity, but in a lot of developing nations, we see a rise of Christianity. What is the one difference in those two different spheres? Just have a think about it for a minute. There's one clear difference. Apart from money, I knew someone would say money, that, that, that is probably the factor the supernatural power of God. 
The supernatural power of God is on display and is being released, probably because we got too much money, we're not seeing it, maybe. But we can see in the third world in developing nations, there is regular displays of God's power and his presence. And they're not so hoity-toity about theology and about what we do and what we don't do, because they're just so desperate, they need God. And so that desperation draws somehow something out of God that we desperately need. Who's the poor ones? Who's the poor ones? I wonder if you look at their next generation and you look at our next generations, you think, who is the poor ones? The truth is we need God to break through in the West more than ever before. And so God's reality, we never want to question that. I want to read from James chapter 1, verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. We can't afford to doubt. Whatever God has called you to, whatever God has shown you to be true, whatever God has spoken to you and maybe others have confirmed to you and you know to be his word over you, don't doubt it. Maybe you have a situation that is like a thorn in your side. Many of us have, in fact, probably most of us have a little thorn in our side, something that, that restricts us from maybe doing something or maybe going all out. Do you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Because sometimes God stops us from doing those things that would make us implode anyway. Now, I know this can be kind of in, in a reverse, but I say that because sometimes, even though we might have the passion and the desire, sometimes God's just got a little thorn there because we would run so hard, so fast for one week and then drop off. And so sometimes there's a little thorn there going, hang on, let's do the rest of our life. Let's do the rest of our life. Let's build something that can last. Let's build a lineage. Let's build history. Let's build depth. And so that thorn presses in on us. And I don't know about you, but sometimes the thorn for me helps me to pray because it's a little uncomfortable. It's a little uncomfortable. So it leads me to prayer. And maybe your thorn leads you to the Lord. Maybe your thorn leads you to a place of desperation for him. Then it's not a curse. It's actually a blessing. Sometimes what we call a curse is a blessing. Oh, I can't speak. I can't do this. Well, maybe he's been doing that for a reason. So that we go into the, the prayer closet and pray and intercede. And maybe we've been too, too worried about certain things. So on, honestly, I think that oftentimes a thorn will hold us back from what we're not meant to be doing and lead us into a deeper place with him. Don't doubt what God wants to do in your life. It's so easy on this earth with so many supposed gifted people and so many voices and, uh, and, and so many just prominent things happening out there for us to doubt ourselves, doubt our abilities, doubt our gifting, doubt are we really called for this, are we really good enough. These are the voices of the enemy recognize his strategies, recognize his fiery darts. Ephesians calls them fiery darts. And when we recognize the fiery darts, when we begin to see them for what they are, you know, we can actually cut them off much, much earlier. And there's a lot of fiery darts being, being shot at us in, in this current generation. There's a lot of lies of the enemy. 
Uh, we're, we're being made to feel bad about standing against abortion. Can you believe that we are being made feel like we're the ones in the wrong when we're standing for life? This world is an upside-down world. Evil is being called good and good is being called evil. And we need to cut off the lies of the enemy with the word of God and not doubt so that we can stand. Because if we don't, if we don't, what happens is a slippery slope. We give a little bit of ground. We don't speak up truth about that. And I'm not saying we need to bang on the horn constantly all the time about everything that we're against. That's not what we are. We want to speak about what we're for. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if we don't bring the truth of the Word of God and where we stand, then this next generation will think, well, okay, they didn't really speak up about that, so I won't speak up about that, but then I won't speak about that as well, the next issue. Uh, and then before you know it, we, we head down this slippery slope of just giving ground in all these different areas. And so, and again, we can only articulate so often. Sometimes I watch some of my favorite freedom fighters. You'll know who they are, Pat Masidi and the like. And I watch them and I, I get stirred up. And, uh, and then I need to take a chill pill for a while. It's like, okay, just got just to gotta settle, settle the blood down. And um, is that okay? Am I allowed to mention that this morning? Are you okay with me? It's okay to be a little edgy, people, okay? You can, you can research stuff. You can be a little edgy. It's okay. And I know Pat Masidi isn't everyone's cup of tea, but I'm telling you, he's, he's fighting for souls and for a generation. He might do it in a little bit of a different language than some of us can handle, but that's okay. He's doing it. He's doing it. And unless we're doing it to the same degree, we can't really speak, can we? So we need to make sure that, that even those voices, I mean... If, if he will use someone dressed in just fluffy stuff and eating honey and, and, and locusts and... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Think about it. God probably is not going to bring messengers in our beautiful puffer jackets and skinny jeans and etc., etc. It's going to offend us. It's going to offend us. So be okay with being a little bit offended. Be okay with things just happening a little bit outside of the norm because that's typically how God works. I want to summarize some of this. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 8 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. I wonder why he says that because our understanding is limited. It's limited. No matter how much research, no how, how much theology, how much stuff we get in our heads, which is all good, it is 1%. <laughs> it's 1%. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your straight, straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh. And refreshment to your bones. The word of God is living and active. It's living and active. Our part is do we live it? Do we live it? I'm asking myself that question. Do I live it? I've been dwelling on... Uh, Karen bought a book for me this week on uh, George Whitfield. And he's one of my all-time favorites. I know I say that about 20 or 30 guys, but... Uh, Anyway, George Whitfield, uh, 
in around the Great Awakenings with uh, the Wesley brothers and, and other great revivalists. And uh, one thing about Whitfield is he didn't get much uh, glory and celebration. He's not one of the first names that crops up in a lot of people's minds. Everyone thinks of John Wesley as the great revivalist bringing Great Awakening. But what not a lot of people know is if it weren't for George Whitfield, there probably wouldn't be John Wesley in the same way. And so um, what am I, why am I saying that? Because one trait of George Whitfield that hit me as I'm reading his stuff this week was his sheer faith to not question the word of God, but to just go forth and do whatever God showed him to do on a daily basis, on a daily basis. And it's challenged me again. And he, like the Wesleys and others, were very, very concerted. They were, in fact, they were so concerted, particularly the Wesleys and his band of brothers were so uh, pious and stuck to their routine so religiously that, that the, the rest of the Oxford crowd used to pay them out and tease them and call them the Methodists because they were so methodical with every hour of every day. Do you know anyone like that? Do you know anyone who is that thorough in their, in their concerted seeking of the Lord? I'm, I'm not sure that I do. And anyway... George Whitfield comes on the scene and helps bring the revelation of grace, the revelation of free will, the revelation of guys, like loosen up a little bit. You know what happened? That, that recipe of learning the grace of God but still keeping a discipline and seeking God helped a hunger and birth revival for the Great Awakening across England and America and beyond. And so... You never know if you give up your doubting and you replace it with faith what God will do. If all of that doubt, all of that questioning, all of that time in my head, which is occupied with doubts and questioning and maybe, I don't know, research or whatever it might be, if I replace that with faith and the word of God and believing, then I wonder what might happen. I wonder what might happen. I've noticed a pattern at 11.11, I've noticed a pattern over time. And that is that it starts with a really small group of people. I mean a really small, much smaller than this. It starts with a few, three, maybe a few old ladies in the Hebrides or maybe, you know, five or ten young Methodist men at Fetter Lane or maybe a few at Azusa Street or maybe some over the years in different tribes and nations and places we've never even heard of. It starts with a few. starts with maybe three. Three people. Three. It's not many, is it? Three people who might become Methodists. <laughs> Not Methodists by name, but maybe they'll put a bit of method to seeking the Lord. Starts with a few, and then with that few who are willing to go to a deeper level, that's probably deeper than we're at now, I'll be honest with you, deeper than I'm at now, go to that deeper level and say, Lord, we need more. We need more for a state, for a region, 
as much as I joke about South Life and trackies and all the fun things, the truth is there's a lot of hopelessness down south. There's a lot of hopelessness down south. Some of you just vagued over and you're like, what on earth? Is that a new thing? Just forget it. Just wipe that one. At a deeper level, just think about that for a minute. Only takes a few. History shows us this. Yes, it was 120 on the day of Pentecost. But let's work down from there. So let's say that's, that's the maximum required. And work down from there throughout history. It's only taken a few. It's only taken a few. A few who are willing to go to a deeper level. A deeper level than we are currently at now. A deeper level in prayer. A deeper level in humility. A deeper level in asking the Lord, will you, will you, God? <laughs> Do you want to? Or maybe you've fallen into the camp like I have. I said last week, I've doubted many times, God, are you really going to move again like you have in past histories? And then I go back and I read scripture and then I read revival accounts and I go, well, there's nothing there that says he's not going to. History's shown that he has time and time and time and time and time again. But the recipe, the ingredient, the catalyst is you. You are the catalyst. You are that 1.5%. And there's different brands of catalysts. Oh, let me give you a chemical lesson. There's different brands of catalysts. And some comes from Europe. It's the high-quality version that costs a lot of money. And then you go to China and you buy all the Chinese other stuff that everyone buys now because that's the only place it's made. But it, it looks different everywhere. Your catalyst is completely different to the next person's. Yours might be worship. Yours might be speaking in tongues 24-7. That's very hard to do. I've never done it, but try it. Yours might be intercession. Often these things are birthed alone first. They're not birthed up here. They're not birthed in front of other people normally. Normally you are proficient at it by yourself first. And once you've mastered it yourself, like Whitfield says, it was nothing for him to spend a whole day in the field rejoicing in the field with Jesus. A whole day. It was nothing. 21 years old. 21 years old. Learned, strong, fit, healthy. Oftentimes, he wasn't that healthy because he would go without food so that he could give it to other people. So much so that people were actually worried about his physical health. And I'm not saying we have to do that. But what I'm just throwing out there is little bits and pieces this morning. And I'm hoping God will just lay on whoever he lays on whatever he needs to do. Because if we prescribe things too much, then it becomes a form. And we don't just want a form, we want him. So whatever gift he's put on your heart, he'll normally give you a joy for it. He'll normally give you a joy. You might be thinking, oh, now I've got to do intercession for five hours a day and read through Job 1 through 30 and dig my way through. I know there's more chapters to Job, but you're reading the bad ones if you read 1 through 30. That's not a loving father. That's not a loving father. If we will understand that we are a catalyst, every single one of us, and if we find that place 
that that he brings freedom, that he brings joy, then as we begin to break through maybe some of the plaque, maybe some of the time, maybe some of the, the lethargy, just like when you exercise, you have to, it takes a few weeks to get your body used to even doing some robust stuff. It might take a few weeks, might take a few months to go to a deeper level, but let me guarantee you that catalyst is powerful. Your catalyst is so powerful that he died on a cross just for you. He died on a cross just for you so that you and I can receive life. And so when we pray into the gospel, when we pray into the life of Jesus, when we pray into him, you don't need to to know all the different strongholds and principalities around. He might show you some things, fine, but I find that hard work. Oh, which, which demon's coming from which angle and which, which sign do I need to do? And, and, and that's all okay if God shows you that stuff, but it can make you go cross-eyed as well. I believe Jesus is all-conquering, all-powerful, all-knowing, and if I'm praying in his spirit, then he knows the words that need to be prayed. And so whatever that outlet is for you, I want to encourage you, go for it. Don't doubt. Don't let the enemy win with seeds of doubt. Don't let the enemy say, I'm too young, or I'm too old, or I'm too this, or I can speak, I can't speak, or maybe I've done some bad stuff in my life. It's okay. Everyone has. Everyone has. I've said this before. I remember R.T. Kendall, one of my famous uh, favorite preachers, say that if Every one of us in this room had up on here a list or even a video footage of all the sins we've ever committed. I mean, it went quiet all of a sudden. (laughs) Video footage of every sin we've ever committed or even every thought we've ever thought. Now we've leveled the room, haven't we? Everyone, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Everyone has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But it's in the cross we gain victory. It's in the life of Jesus. When we pray in that, when we pray in the gospel, we pray in the victory. And so instead of doubt, we now can believe. So if you don't believe for some things, begin praying in his victory. Begin praying in his, the resurrected Christ. Begin praying in his victory, his word. Jesus, you are coming soon. You are coming soon for us, your bride. But he does want his bride to be awake, not asleep. He wants us to be awake, not asleep. And so this historical path of momentum which normally starts with one or two or three, like a catalyst, willing to go to a deeper level, way deeper, way deeper, way deeper, then catalyzes something in the spirit realm. I don't know how this works, but I do know that there were times when Daniel was fasting, for example, and for 21 days, and the angel was prohibited from coming and answering him. And it's like, what are you doing up there, Lord? I wonder how many things are prohibited right now wonder how many things are prohibited right now. There's a whole realm we don't even understand. It's a mystery to us. But as we begin to just do what he said, sometimes fast, but pray. But do whatever he's asking you to do. Whatever that catalyst he's given you, begin to operate in. Begin to take to a deeper level. And I want to guarantee you one thing. If we do this as a community, we will begin to go to a deeper level. We, don't, we, don't, we will still try programs. We'll do whatever we can. We'll have coffee and we'll try to make it better and nicer and we'll have, offer very, every variety of milk we possibly can. Even the ones I haven't even thought of yet. We'll come up with it if that helps people come to church. But ultimately, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to make a difference. 
So that's where we want to spend our time and energy. That's where we, and so history shows that once a few go to a deeper level, it catalyzes something in the spirit. God responds. And the spirit responds. The spirit is poured out on that few. With that few, begin to share what the spirit is doing. Or maybe it's evidence to those around them. And the few become a few more. And the few more catch that catalyze of the spirit that's going on in the heavenly realms for some reason. And you can look through almost every historical revival and you'll see this recipe. It's, it's the catalyst of prayer and people coupled with the kingdom of heaven and asking the Lord to come and do something. What I don't have is a time frame pro forma. I'm sorry. I wish I did. Because if I did, I would have started it years ago. But that's the evidence of things hoped for. It's called faith. Faith to go to a deeper level. Faith to go to a deeper level. And then when those few realize that God's doing something, it's contagious. It's humans are contagious beings. You ever notice that? You ever wondered why stupid things go viral? It's because we're contagious. Is that okay to say that in church? Yeah. Stupid. Some very stupid things go viral. It's like, wow. How did that go viral? It's because we're contagious. If someone's looking, we want to see too. But that original desire was put there by God. Because when we actually see good things as humans, we want the good stuff. We want the good things. It's a counterfeit version on Instagram and YouTube, isn't it? It's a counterfeit version, but it's the same desire put there by God to say, God, what are you doing? I want some of that. I want some of that. And what if... We, as Harvest Church family, what if we would be willing, just a few, just a few, you don't, and don't come and tell me afterwards, master this in the closet. Master it in the closet. That's, that's what I'll focus on doing. And that few, God does something. And then with that few, he brings something from heaven. And that few becomes a few more, and that few becomes a few more, and others begin to learn and hear, and a spontaneous flow of the Spirit begins to happen. And then everyone gets offended. That's what history shows. I just throw that in there. Because don't get offended when God does what we've been praying for. Don't write me letters. I'm not as, I'm not as good as my dad at returning letters. <laughs> it's him. We're praying for him. We're praying for God to sovereignly move in the Onkaparinga city, in this region, in the city of Adelaide, like never before. I want you to stand and the worship team to come. Matthew 21, 21 says, And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. Now, this is a picture. This is a picture that if we will step into faith, God responds. How much more do you think God wants to move on this region? How much more do you, do you think he wants to save those who are lost right now? All over this city, all over this nation. If you're willing this morning, it's always a little bit of a risk, especially on the middle week of the year. It's holidays. I know that. But if you're willing, I'd love you just to begin to pray. 
and just to begin to ask the Lord. Begin to ask Him for that deeper level. What does it look like? Begin to intercede, maybe for the lost, whatever He puts on your heart. But just as a body, together, let's, let's do this together. If you're willing, just lift your hands, close your eyes, and let's begin to pray. Well, Lord, we're here this morning. We're here this morning. It's much, much, much easier to go out and have coffee right now. And there's nothing more that Jezebel would love than to keep the church asleep. And if you don't know what I mean, it's okay. I can explain it later. But she killed off Ahab. Ahab was the king. We are the kings. We are the kings. You are the king. You are the bride. You are the one. You are the catalyst. You are the catalyst. Your prayers are what he's longing to hear. Your worship is what his heart longs for. Your heart connection with him is what he's yearning for. He doesn't desire all the trappings. He just desires you. He just wants you. So let's lift our hands and just begin to worship Him. Just begin to give Him praise. Begin to connect with Jesus, your Saviour, who's coming soon for you and for me. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we choose to connect with you this morning. We choose to connect with you this morning. Lord, we ask for you to come. We ask you to come. For you to come and speak over us. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need your power and your presence to come. You might want to lift up your voice. Men, you might want to get a bit of a warrior inside of you, begin to lift up your voice. Don't be an Ahab. Don't be an Ahab. It's time to arise. It's time to awaken the spirit, the catalyst that's put within you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We're asking for a deeper level. We're asking for a deeper level this morning. We say come. We say come and have your way. Come and awaken us. Come and awaken us, Holy Spirit. Yeah, we're asking Jesus for more. We're asking for more. More of you. More of you. More of you. More of you for a generation, for a region. And we ask this morning, Lord, for you to come and awaken. Come and awaken, Holy Spirit of God. Yeah, let's lift our voices and let's worship Him this morning.